Hey, what up, Long Beach? We are back with another bi-weekly episode of the LB Fee Show. As always, this conversation about Long Beach State Athletics is hosted by the562.org, which is myself, JJ Fiddler, and on the other side of this Zoomiverse, he's Mike Arabasio. We only see each other through the screen. It's like all of the great visions of the future we all enjoyed growing up. Uh, yes, this is indeed, the, this is actually the season finale of the third season of the LB Fee Show, uh, which boy, it's been a fast three seasons, I guess. Uh, but we're happy to say we'll be back next year uh, with more great interviews with Long Beach State coaches, athletes, and of course, I'm now, now welcoming to his show, uh, Andy Fee, Long Beach State Director of Athletics. Andy, hi. Good afternoon, everybody. And uh, here we are looking at, again at each other via the Zoom. It's, uh, yeah, I've, I've started to forget that we ever looked at each other anywhere else. <laughs> uh, please stay tuned. Uh, our special guest today, Latanya Sheffield, the head coach of the Long Beach State Women's Track and Field Program, also has coached the Team USA Sprinters, and uh, really a great conversation with her about track and field, but also about everything that's going on uh, with the Black Lives Matter protests and rallies against police brutality. Uh, so please be sure to stick around and, uh, and listen to that interview with Latanya. So Andy, we talked about this two weeks ago, the reintroduction of athletic activities on campus. You guys were saying that when the NCAA announced that they wanted to make it voluntary workouts, possibly last weekend, you guys have taken your time. You've put together a plan. I like it. It's got phases. It's clean. It looks like it's going to work, but obviously you got to start at phase one. And for you guys, that's preparing the campus for the return of athletics. What, what goes into that? Are you reconfiguring where things are or are you just making sure everything's clean? Uh, a, a little bit of both. Um, certainly we, we want to make sure that uh, as I continue to say, we want things to be safe. We, we want our student athletes, coaches, staff, whomever um, to not be in a position where they're jeopardizing their health. So as much as we can, we're, we're certainly looking at uh, how, how we clean a venue. How do we clean uh, a locker room? How do we clean the training room? All of those kind of little, little things that suddenly when added up become a big thing. So part of that is, uh, is the plan. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this plan. We, we keep talking about getting back uh, to some sort of normal. And um, I think we've worked um, really well with, in collaboration with, with, our, with our folks on campus uh, in the Student Health Center, um, President Conley, her executive team, the city of Long Beach, the county of Los Angeles. So um, it's, it's going to be a process, but we're, we're going to get there. Um, and first of all, I'm a big phase four guy. I, I hate phase one. I'm sick of phase one. Um, but can I you just, just skipped ask? over two and three. That's how well, Mike's feeling today. <laughs> <laughs> well, before, before, as we continue to move through, I did want to ask one other question, which is uh, two weeks ago, you expressed sort of confidence that, you know, we were going to be able to see in the fall um, some, some games back on the field. As we're moving through the phases, do you still have the expectation that that's where things are, are pointed? I do. I, I, I remain optimistic that, that we'll be competing in the fall. Again, you know, it might look a little, little weird, so to speak, with maybe we won't have fans, maybe we will have fans, or, you know, uh, social distancing with fans, whatever, whatever that is. But I do feel um, optimistic and, and remain positive that we're going to be competing in the fall in some capacity. Love to hear that. So obviously phase one is followed by phase two, no matter what Mike says. And you're going to bring the <laughs> staff back on before the student athletes, which completely makes sense. But you also have to decide like what staff is essential and what staff isn't essential. What went into that and who on a staff 
isn't essential. You know what I mean? Because you, you need the players, you need the coaches. Yeah, but that's kind of a personal designation. It kind of is, yeah. You have to call someone and be like, yeah, we're going back to work, but you're not essential. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. Everybody's essential, right? Uh, in in one way or another, yeah. Which, which is true, um, but we do have folks that, that can continue to work uh, remotely um, from their home. And um, as we said, we, we don't want to bring people in if, if it's not uh, really necessary. So there are folks who, who might work on the business office side of things or a compliance aspect, um, you know, the ticket office. You know, there, there's things that can be done that don't have to be on campus. Now, there's certainly people um, who we need on campus. Uh, you know, we need student athletes. We need coaches. Uh, we need a medical team, uh, Jared Spanger and, and, and his team, uh, to make sure that, that we're doing the right thing. So, yeah, we, we have to think about that. And, and honestly, um, it's a phase, and, and certainly we'll, we'll, we'll get to a point where we've got everybody back uh, on campus. That's, that's the ultimate goal. But we'll start it within phases within phases. So um, we, we've essentially got uh, the medical staff, the coaches, the student-athletes, uh, the sports supervisors and, and probably myself um, will be um, on, on the campus in, in a more robust capacity. Uh, and again, we'll, we'll transition in there and, and certainly the NCAA, if anything changes there. But, um, you know, the biggest piece of the puzzle is always uh, the public health and, and guidance from, from all of them. So phase three is the return of those student athletes you were talking about. And you guys aren't just letting them come on campus. You're going to be testing them every time they come on campus. Is that correct? So that, that is or a discussion test, point. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, so to, you know, taking temperatures, uh, we're discussing whether uh, we would test or not test. Um, there's kind of different thoughts on, on that as we talk to the medical professionals of, of how does it actually work best and, and, and what process, but, um, it, it will start a little bit more slowly with the voluntary workouts, uh, primarily being outdoors, uh, maybe a little bit more um, basic as I'll call it, you know, maybe it's aerobic, plyometrics, uh, but honestly, we, we've got to get student athletes. Some might be in better shape than others, but uh, we can't expect someone to, uh, to run down the, the track for a coach chef and set a, a PR if, if they're not ready to do that. So, uh, it will be gradual, and then uh, we'll transition to doing more sports-specific workouts uh, as, as the calendar moves along. Um, but that'll be the exciting point, is when we get those student-athletes back on campus for the voluntary workouts, and then transitioning, uh, certainly, beyond that. And you literally face, mean I got my back on campus. three shirt ready, JJ. Yeah, right, get ready. You're, you're a big fan. Phase three. Phase three. Phase three. <laughs> when you mean campus, you literally mean campus. Like, they're going to be in the dorms, correct? I mean, obviously, you would keep them together as much as you can, but the dorms yeah. are going to be open. That's the plan for August? Yeah, so uh, the campus will, will remain open, and there will be um, students, not just student athletes, but there will be students living on campus. Uh, certainly, there's some um, work that the housing folks are doing to, to make sure that we have proper social distancing and whatnot. Uh, my understanding is our athletes will kind of be grouped together, whether it's on a, on a floor. Um, it's not quarantine, but it's uh, just trying to keep um, them kind of amongst themselves and to mitigate any, any possible transmission um, outside of that group. But, uh, but yeah, we're looking forward. Hey, being on campus is a big deal at this point, as crazy as that sounds. Hey, yeah, absolutely. So obviously phase five is the return to the regular schedule because phase four would happen in August when you've got women's soccer, women's volleyball, everything else coming back for their preseason workouts. Phase five is the return of everybody to campus. 
But the biggest issue right now I see, especially for a program like, I don't know, women's tennis, like what if the international students aren't able to come back? What do you do then? Like those programs are going to kind of be crippled, right? Yeah, certainly we have programs that, that have uh, more international student athletes on them than maybe some others. And, and that is a concern for me. And honestly, we started talking about that almost from day one when um, the student athletes um, left campus for the most part uh, to go home. And um, there's some things that, you know, I, I talk about, you know, control the controllables and there's certain things we cannot control. We cannot control the Department of Homeland Security and their position on international travel. Um, in the spring, they had put in what I call a waiver to allow student athletes and students um, to, to have their I-20 visa um, and, and be a remote learner, a virtual learner. Uh, right now, uh, we are concerned because Department of Homeland Security has not um, changed anything for the fall. So in theory, uh, if you are a returning student athlete, international student athlete, it should be less problematic because you'll have an existing I-20 and, uh, and to return right, okay. into the country. But the new student athletes, um, there's some concern that the Homeland Security will not uh, allow and, and issue new I-20s uh, because of uh, the virtual versus the in-person um, instruction methodology. Uh, we will have, as, as we've mentioned, there will be on-campus in-person uh, instruction happening here at, at Long Beach State. Uh, the, the majority of it will be through the virtual world, but we will have classes. Uh, we believe that we'll be able to enroll those student athletes um, in, in, in person instruction uh, to get them here and, and to get them those I-20s. But it is a concern and it's not, this is not just for, for Long Beach State, it's every university out there. Um, and even if you're not a student athlete. Uh, so hopefully, um, you know, I remain an optimist by nature um, that either one, Homeland Security will amend and extend the waiver for the fall semester and allow students to come here from uh, new students internationally to come here. Uh, and certainly we've got probably, I'm going to say, you know, 15 to 20 uh, new international student athletes. And it's a big deal. And uh, but I think we're going to get there. I think we'll get them back on campus. The sixth and final phase is you need somebody to play, right? You're back on campus, you're ready to play, but who's going to show up? You know, part of your plan is to just wait and see, which I think is very smart. But also in your plan, there's a discussion around financial penalty for contracts that might not be fulfilled. Are you, are you serious? Like somebody's in this time, somebody's literally going to hold you to that contract. I feel like all these contracts should just have, but maybe not at the end of them. Yeah, it, it's, it's really odd that now we're um, putting pandemic language into our athletic contest, uh, contest contracts. Um, so, it's, you know, something I never really thought we would, we would talk about. But uh, I will say um, we, we, we have had some, some contests that we have rescheduled um, that could have potentially had some some financial penalties and the same for some teams that were going to come and, and play us as well for the most part we've, we've been able to agree on rescheduling in, in future years um but uh but it's a it is a concern you know i mean uh, if you're in 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 long beach and you know you're going to travel across the country to new york it, you, you may not uh want to do that and vice versa um, someone in new york may not want to come out to uh to california because it's a hot spot potentially. So 
a lot of this is going to be a little bit of uh, a fluid nature in terms of uh, the scheduling. I think for the most part, mo we'll do as much as we can to make sure that uh, our schedule remains um, consistent. But again, we're not going to travel somewhere if it puts any of our student athletes or staff in danger. And we're also not going to force anyone to travel. That, that's been a topic as well of, you know, are, are folks going to be mandated to go somewhere? Um, we, we would never mandate that. Um, if, if there's a health concern or somebody just does not feel comfortable, we're never going to force anybody to, to do something of that nature. So it will be interesting to see what, what develops. But for the most part, uh, we're trying to keep those schedules intact. And uh, hopefully, you know, uh, knock on wood, that we'll have some fans cheering us on. It's fascinating to me that just because of the time that this happened, colleges, the CIF, you know, junior colleges, they're going to be the ones who are going to show the professional how to do it. Like, they, like you guys are going to basically set the tone for how to overcome this. And, and I think that this plan really, really is good. And you guys are going through the right channels. So if you want more information on that, like I said, the CIF, junior colleges, and everybody trying to get back the right way, we've got those stories right now at the 562.org where you're going to find coverage of everything Long Beach sports, the newsletter, the videos, the previews, recaps, photos, all the updates on social media. Get at us. And also while you're there, get to Naples Rib Company. There's a huge ad in the top right-hand corner for a reason. It's because Naples Rib Company has been sponsoring uh, what Mike and I have been doing here in Long Beach for a very, very long time, and it's still delicious. We go down there the other night, get that stuff, and we, like we say on the other pod, it just tastes like normal. So go down to Naples Rib Company, tell them Dave that the 562.org sent you. We are super excited to welcome on this week's guest. Uh, maybe the, the brightest star up and coming at the beach with Tanya Sheffield. Um, she's got the head women's track and field coaching job, uh, but she's also coaching the Team USA Sprinters as we get ready for uh, the Tokyo Games, which hopefully will be happening next summer. Knock on wood, knock on wood. Uh, Latanya, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, um, we, we were smart. We bought our Sheffield stock early. It's, yeah, it's skyrocketing that's right now. Well, because you, you've got, and I'll tell you this story on the podcast, because I know Andy's heard me talk about this a number of times. I think um, you got your first Long Beach Poly alum on campus like four days after they hired you or something. Ah. Like that. So I go to Poly to cover a track meet and they go, hey, uh, you, you know Coach Chef at Long Beach State? You know, they hired her. She's been over here two times already. She's talking to everyone. And everyone in the city was so excited about your energy <laughs> and the way you were, you were going out and talking to Long Beach kids that it was like, you know, you've been a rock star in my eyes ever since then. So. Oh, man, I appreciate that. Well, you know, with it all, coming in from Arizona, I mean, you, you go to your neighborhoods. You see who's doing what, and you look at the local talents, and you give uh, – uh, them a shot, but you give us a shot too, right? <laughs> right. Yes, that's right. That's exactly right. And I think obviously in a city with Long Beach's history, um, you know, Andy, uh, Andy Scythe and the program obviously had lots of Long Beach athletes through before. Um, but I feel like it's been like three or four athletes signing, it seems like every year since you've been there. How do you, um, you know, we joke with Andy all the time. We hear from local high school coaches, local college coaches, that sometimes there's a little bit of a disconnect between the high schools and the college and you just kind of like you did what I've always suggested which is I don't know just show up and offer people scholarships and they'll probably be excited to come right how how were you able to get the message out about everything going on in the program and to, to get kids on campus 
Well, I mean, it's one thing to certainly just think you can um, offer money and then people would kind of fall out and say yes. But I think the biggest thing is to uh, create and establish relationships. Um, that's just kind of who I am. And, that, and I do believe that that is the, the thrust of, of, of uh, really starting your coaching career is to establish relationships. So that's what I've tried to do. And obviously with track and field, it's all about times but that's not how you recruit, right? Other than looking at someone's times and how they're getting better and all that stuff, what else are you looking for in a future Long Beach State track star? For sure. I mean, anthropometrically, you've got to look at Well, the, I'm sorry, what athlete. was that word? Yeah, that's, hey, that just so took sorry. the cake for best word of the year. Yeah, my, I, my IQ just dropped 10 points. I feel like I'm in kindergarten. Say that really slowly for you me, You guys please. are killing me. You're killing me. Let's say this, how they're built, how their body is built. What, what, what was the word? What did you say? What was the word? Anthropometric. Okay, anthropometrically. Okay, all right. Yeah. I got it locked in. Okay, wow. You guys are something else. I'm definitely winning Scrabble tonight, man. Yes. How they're built is something that we consider. And then also, just really, you've got to look at it, and it is what it is. They're talent-based. And so, you know, there's just some folk that are just not going to jump high. They don't have the hops. And so you've got to look at also just that whole DNA. And then I think that what it kind of seals the deal, uh, certainly academically, but how they are and who they are. What are um, the things that are important to, th to them? Is team important to them? Is determination and drive, do they have that in their spirit? Uh, those are, are, are those things, what makes them be. And I think that that is um, something that we look for to our culture. You know, just as though um, folks are looking at our program and seeing how well we do our business, we also, when we recruit, we look at how they are going to fit. You just don't let anybody in your house, right? Yes, okay. correct. <laughs> um, so, the, the question that I've got for you is you're, you're part of sort of a growing number of coaches on campus that are doing national team work um, simultaneously, which knowing how hard you guys work, even when you're not doing that stuff, I just, I have no idea how you fit that into a day or a week um, on your schedule, but how strange has it been um, with your connections with the national team having, I mean, I don't know that it, I don't think it's happened since world war II that an Olympics was delayed um you know what, what's that been like how are you all kind of managing that and how do you keep people sort of on track i guess you know what i mean when when the seminal event of that quad cycle gets pushed back by 12 months well it certainly is a jarring to the to the athlete and it certainly is something that we've got to manage in terms of being a staff and an organization and uh, the, our national governing body but at the end of the day um we want to side on safety. And so that makes everything logical. That makes everything understandable for everyone involved. Um, are we disappointed? Absolutely. But I can tell you on the flip side of it, there are some athletes that weren't quite ready. Maybe they were um, like Allison Felix. Perhaps you know they had just um, come from having a baby or maybe there was some injury. And so there are some some, some downs and then there's some ups. But at the end of the day, I believe that it's most important that we remain safe and health, healthy so that we can compete to the best of our ability and showcase that we are the number one 
team of the world. I think the majority of average sports fans wouldn't understand that uh, someone running on the track isn't trying to run their fastest all the time, right? Like Mike just mentioned, like the cycle and stuff like that. You obviously start that well before everything. So does this now change that where you're trying to figure out a cycle schedule knowing that it would be next year? Like, have you ever had to do something like this before? Oh, well, for sure. I mean, as the cycles, uh, they come and, and go. I mean, we as coaches, we know our business. And so what we've done is um, helped the, the, the athlete understand that there is going to also be some mental adjustments. Not only are there physical adjustments, but there are mental adjustments. But also we need to make sure that they understand that their, their sleep patterns need to maintain the same type. What I've personally done in coaching uh, the elite athletes in my group is that I've continued to maintain our schedule, our competitive schedule. And so we have found creative ways in which we have been able to maintain a running workout. So instead of doing power work where we're sprinting, then we use power work and running hills with a mask on. Right. <laughs> yeah, how's, well, how's that? You're, you're, you run a lot. How is it running with a mask? Um, well, what we would normally typically do, track and field is not, is not a contact sport. Um, and when we pass someone, especially if we're sprinting, you know, we're, we're passing them with bigger. And um, so we will normally take our masks off as we are training. And then once we are done, we will put them on. Um, they always hang out around our neck. We want to still make sure that we, we stay in compliance and that we are safe. But for the most part, we're able to work around that. And I do believe that there's not just my crew, but there are other quads of elite athletes that they are still training, but we're just being very creative in how we get it done. And we're doing it very safely. Um, we've been able to cover, you know, the, the last few years as your guys' sprints group has really built into um, regional and then getting into national significance. Um, I was in Eugene with your four by one women's team that made it right for the first time ever. Um, how did, how frustrating is it? I mean, I understand you guys are worried about safety and, and all the other stuff, but just on an emotional level, when you're building a program and you've kind of helped to get it to where it is right now, how hard is it to just hit pause on that competition wise for a year? You know, I'm sure you had your benchmarks you wanted to hit this year. Um, how do you sort of deal with the emotional setback of that? Well, again, this just speaks mounds, just mounds on um, how strong our athletes are. So again, we have those peaking uh, um, uh, training sessions where the athlete has to get prepared mentally for that running. Um, if I, I'm just super blessed to have um, a group of of elite athletes um, and, and that they train together. Um, and so we literally put competition within the training session. And, and so honestly, we are uh, in two weeks, we are, are simulating um, a training session that would be much like the Olympic trials. It's not like the Olympic trials. There's nothing that can substitute the Olympic trials, but to, gear, to get them geared up to run as fast as you can, at this time and, and, and under these conditions, that's the thing. When we are training year long, this is just something that I put uh, as a part of, of our program is uh, the, the slogan, anytime, we can do it any place, 
under any condition within any circumstance against any component and during any lane. And so we are in one of those innies. So you, so you are just in one of those innies. And so I think mentally, when I say, guys, we are going to have a quality run on this particular date at this particular time, then they gear up for that. Right. What, what's amazing to me is, and you know, forgive me if I'm putting a stereotype out here, but I would not say that's, I don't hear that mentality from every uh, elite sprinter that I've ever covered in my life, right? Uh, as you know, sometimes the sprinters can be a little bit like people say about wide receivers in the NFL. There's a little bit of a, a bit like, I wouldn't say diva, right? But you're like, I like this lane and I like running this leg on the on the four by one or whatever. So you're, you sort of run counter to that. You go, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear it. It's going to be whatever the circumstances disregard it. Don't sit there being pissed off about you're running in lane nine instead of lane five or whatever. Yeah. You probably just haven't, haven't uh, spoken to any of the athletes that I coach. Uh, they know that there's two words. So what? Uh, I like that. <laughs> so, so that it's 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 not optimal condition. So that you did not get the best lane. So that you're in this round with this particular uh, competitor. Just so what? And we've got to do it in the manner that we do it. This is it's a good time, you know. I I, I really hate that we are um, in the in in the position, especially um, for all of the the. Um, Social distancing um, definitely is very emotionally charging to be a part of, of this time where we have police brutality and it is just working at the core of, the, of, of, of African Americans, of our Black folks. It's just a really bad time. However, if we still can compartmentalize and do our job in the manner that we need to do our job, then we're going to be okay. Uh, the fight is the fight, whether we're fighting against COVID or we're fighting against police brutality. The fight is the fight. But then well, when we have our lane, that's the fight. I like it. Well said. You know, you are the chairperson of the Diversity and Inclusion Committee at Long Beach State. What type of responsibilities does that bring? And I can imagine those responsibilities seem a lot more important nowadays. The um, Diversity and Inclusion Committee was actually commissioned by Andy Fee. And I'm so excited to know that diversity matters in our athletic department and more so that it matters from our helm. That, 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 that makes things just so uh, much more different. The experience is different. The student athlete's experience is different. And so the responsibility is to do just what is necessary. And that is to respect, to have a mutual respect and understanding of each other. Yes, we are certainly charged during this time now, um, just the, 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 our infrastructure and how we um, relate to um, Black folks in America. The systemic racism is definitely something that is very unsettling. I can tell you it's not brand new. But to have people that I work with that are willing to listen and that are willing to, to learn and understand and help us grow and be allies to Black Lives Matter, that means so much, so much. So my responsibility is to make people most aware. 
So are you organizing like talks with the, the student athletes? Are student athletes part of that committee? Like what, what, what does the committee actually do? The, first of all, the committee is comprised of just a diverse a representation, whether it be student athletes, whether it be um, administration, administrators, um, staff, coaches, and it's all from different ethnicities and so on and so backgrounds all and all of that because we want to hear everyone's voice or at least we try right um and so in in terms of putting things together yeah programming is certainly something that we look to do and are organizing as we speak uh tonight i'm very excited uh, that we will have our black student athletes they will have their form and we are allowing them that platform for them to just express themselves. And we look for that to even happen in our, in, in the athletic department in general. It's hurtful. And when, and, and when folks are hurt, they cry. And however they cry out, they cry out. And so we want to be able to make that platform uh, available uh, for them and let them know, let us know that we are supported. And so I, I, I feel much support, uh, especially being a part of, of, of my community, the black community. Um, you, you mentioned, I mean, it's, you have all of these things just kind of coming to a head right now at the same time. I mean, as these protests are happening and as I'm sure you guys would love to be able to talk regularly with all your athletes face to face, um, you also have, uh, you know, there's a pandemic happening at the same time as the protests are happening. Um, and it, it, it feels, I guess, it, to some extent, kind of symbolic almost, right? That it truly is um, sort of a dam bursting forth or something, right? That it's like a, a culminating um, event, you know, with the, the tragedy, with the killing of George Floyd. But yeah. how do you, I mean, I imagine at this point, you are sort of half coach, half counselor with a lot of your athletes, right? I mean, how do you, how do you manage when you can't all be in the same room together um, with sort of the emotional needs of, of the kids that you've been in their house with their parents and said, I will look after your son or daughter for four years, you know, how, how do you, how do you do all that through FaceTime or a Zoom meeting? Well, um, for me, I, not only have I been talking with our student athletes, black or otherwise, but I've also reached out to our parents because they are a part of that equation as well. They're our family as well. They're like our cousins and our aunts and our uncles. Uh, and so, so I've, I've, I've reached out in the group that, that, that I can. And, um, and then we also make spaces, safe spaces for the athletes to be able to have their voice. And so that, that kind of assures everyone that that we, we, we are working at least toward a common good. So, you know, I'm really, really excited uh, about that. You know, we have a lot of work ahead and we have a lot of energy to actually get the work done. So I'm really excited about that. Well, we're up against the clock and uh, you have a forum tonight, right? You're, that's what you have yes. next? Yes, yes, we do. Yes, we do. Um, I'm really excited about it because I get a chance to now sit to the back and allow the student athletes to, to do what they do best, uh, express themselves. Uh, but this time, instead of them physically expressing themselves, they will mentally and emotionally uh, express themselves. We will let them know that we have uh, resources available for them right here on our campus. And then we have some things for them to do in order for them to get out the messaging that Black lives, they really, really do matter. We don't have to apologetically say that that is the truth. 
And um, we do know that all lives matter, but at this point in time, all lives can't matter if there's one despaired group. And so we're just really excited that we're able to create that platform. I wanna just really thank um, our senior staff because they have been very sensitive um, to um, uh, what's going on. Um, they have uh, created a space to be allies. It gotta be very uncomfortable being an ally at this point because you don't know what to do. You don't necessarily what to say, but uh, we'll get to that point just as well. Um, you know, as Andy C. B. has said many, many, many times, uh, diversity makes us better. Well, Latanya, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we'll let you get on to that much more important work of the day. And uh, thanks for joining us on the show. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. What an incredible interview, just an incredible person. Uh, we got to get her back on early because I had like 25 thought-provoking questions for her, but we just ran out of time because like she's that busy and she's that cool, you know? I, I, I want to know what her pet peeve is because she seems like the type of person who would purposefully not have one. But I bet, I bet something that someone does, probably like complaining about what lane they're in, that probably drives her crazy. <laughs> Running slow. That's got to that's, be that's a good one. Right? I mean, that's a good heck. one. Yeah. <laughs> So we usually do these recommendations at the end of this show, something for you guys to check out. But with everything going on, it's obvious what we should be talking about. Um, you know, Mike and I have been involved in the community for a really long time, but to feel the community come together. I was at the protest uh, last Sunday. Mike was helping out uh, clean up some stuff on Monday. Like we got out there and the community was there already. And that was like really, for me, it was very heartwarming. Um, Andy, your announcement, you're like, uh, what would you call it? Your announcement or whatever. Your, the thing you put up on social media about how the university and the department were handling it, I thought it was just incredibly well said. Well, it's important. And I think, you know, something that, that I've been doing a lot of and, and maybe share with, with those listening is, is self-reflection. Um, you know, I've got a lot of blind spots. And, you know, self-reflection is a good thing. And I think a lot, uh, many people like myself who come from, from white privilege need to really think about what that is. And I think also um, not take it as an attack on themselves. I think sometimes people uh, who look like me w think it's an attack and I don't, I don't take it as an attack. I take it as uh, I'm imperfect, I have blind spots, I come from a different, different place and what I need to do is put that aside or off to the side and, and really think about um, where I just, I'm unaware of things. You know, I've talked with a lot of our, our coaches and staff across the spectrum. And uh, I think, you, you know, it, it requires, as you said, there's a, there's, there's a discussion going on that is long overdue. It's been going on, but it hasn't been taken as seriously as it's been um, needed to be taken. And I think for someone like myself, um, who I, I haven't done enough, and that's, that's personal responsibility and something that, that I need to, to bear um, ownership of, is not doing and being more vocal when I should have. Even, even if I felt the way that, that what was going on was wrong, not standing up and not saying anything. And uh, I just encourage um, others to, to self-reflect. Again, I'm not here to tell anyone what to think or what to do necessarily. It's just to, to really think about each of us has our own story and we come from a different place. 
And, uh, you know, I, I believe, um, you know, and this may sound sappy, but, you know, that we want to we want to live as one. We want to we want to be a family. We talk about family at Long Beach State all the time. And uh, families are very diverse, um, no matter what kind of family it is. And uh, in order to, 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 to love one another and to care about one another, we need to respect one another. And that requires uh, ending discrimination based on color, creed, um, sexual orientation, so many things. Um, as I always say, we're better than that. And, um, you know, that's kind of my, if we can call it a suggestion, my suggestion um, this week. Uh, very well said, uh, as you guys have pointed out, as uh, Coach uh, Chef pointed out as well. I mean, there's no, there's no getting away from the topic, even if you wish it would go away. I mean, it's something that we're all going to be talking about um, and that needs to be talked about. And, you know, at Long Beach State has, uh, has certainly had protests over the decades um, about various topics. I'm sure that as we get closer to school, we'll see more of that there as well. I know the Pyramid parking lot today was the meeting point for the people from Long Beach who are caravanning up to the big LA protests. Um, so, you know, there's no putting your head in the sand, right? It's like you said, you, you take your head out, do some listening, do some thinking. And uh, I mean, we don't have anything else to do anyways, guys. There's no sports to watch yet. We, <laughs> we can't go to the gym. Uh, we may as well work on ourselves and our community. Well said, both of you. Uh, at the 562.org right now, we've got some articles that you should read. Uh, our, our guy, Tyler, put together a great article that's basically how the most famous athletes from Long Beach and the people who are still here and have left and come back, how they reacted to it, their shows of support online, uh, their comments about how they were feeling. I thought it was really interesting. We're talking like from Juju Smith-Schuster to Billie Jean King. And uh, it, it was, that was a really cool article. I also did a column about my uh, experience at the protest and how an untrained eye like my own could tell the difference between the protesters and the people who were there just to make trouble. You know what I mean? It was, it was pretty easy. It's like, hey, that guy wearing all black, not carrying a sign with a ball peen hammer in his hand. Yeah, he's probably here to cause some problems. So I put that all in kind of a, a perspective. And then Mike finishing it out. You're going to post that this week, right? Mike, you're calling about going on Monday and uh, traveling to like North Long Beach and helping the cleanup. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I, that should be up. Uh, it'll be up Tuesday morning. That was what I was going to post. Uh, very inspirational time going around Monday um, and seeing the, the people who'd been protesting peacefully on Sunday coming back out on Monday um, to help support, uh, you know, Black and Cambodian owned, like locally owned businesses that had been kind of hit by the unrest later Sunday night. Um, actually had Iman Marshall, who's a Long Beach guy who plays for the Ravens, um, join me. And we just drove around and swept up and helped people nail up boards and, and everything else. But it, it was definitely a, um, I'll never forget showing up Monday morning and there were already 2,000 people all over downtown Long Beach by the time I got there at like 8 a.m. It was pretty special. Nobody loves Long Beach like Long Beach. And that's why we love this place and love doing this show. So thank you so much for tuning in, wrapping up the third season of the LBFB show. We will be back next year and hopefully it's just full of good news. I really need this show to be super, super can I, positive. Can we end Let's on work a, on that, guys. It, okay, instead of, instead of recommendations, can we end on a hopeful note? What's one thing next year that you're looking forward to? Like, okay. all I want to do is be back at Blair Field. That's, that's a good one. That, <laughs> I'm, I'm on board one. with that. I'm <laughs> yeah. on board with that. For sure. I didn't know I would want so badly to be at an 8 a.m. women's soccer practice than I do right now, dude. <laughs> I, want, I want to go out there and sweat just from standing out there in the hot sun early August, man. Can't wait. Cannot wait.
All right, so for Andy, Roger, thank you guys so much for this. Like I said, really looking forward to keep doing this. Mike, JJ, 562.org, all the things we always say on this show. Take care, Long Beach. Be safe out there. We love you. We'll talk to you soon.